welcome to today's podcast. Today we'll be looking at the short story The Bath by Janet Frame. As with all podcasts, if you haven't read the story yet, can you please go and do this now before you start to make your annotations because everything will be much clearer. If you're ready, grab your anthology, pens and highlighters and let's start. The Bath written by Janet Frame, is one of several short stories that she wrote. A native New Zealander from Dunedin, the story was written in 1983 and explores the themes that Frame is famous for writing about, alienation and isolation. Frame was born to a railroad worker and a sometime poet who had been a maid for the family of writer Catherine Mansfield. Her early years were marked by poverty, the drowning of her sister and the disruptions created by her brother's epilepsy. In 1945, while studying to be a teacher, she suffered a breakdown. Misdiagnosed as having schizophrenia, she spent nearly a decade in psychiatric hospitals. From 1947, following the drowning death of another sister, she endured repeated courses of electroconvulsive therapy. During that time, she read the classics voraciously and cultivated her writing talent. The story follows the structure of many of her stories where a horrible fact of life is revealed to the central, usually complacent or naive character. They generally spend a great deal of time trying to avoid this truth, but by the end of the story, both the central character and the reader are left in no doubt. In the story, the old woman has trouble getting out of the bath and is finally forced to confront her own mortality and the fact that her death will not result in an afterlife. She slowly comes to terms with this as the story progresses, but by the end, both she and the reader are absolutely certain of Frame's message. The woman initially tries to escape the inevitability of death by preparing for her bath with care, with thought. She lays out her towel on a nearby chair and arranges it so she would have some way of rescuing herself should difficulty arise. She feels she can beat death by taking such precautions, but Frame clearly illustrates that she can't. Typically of a Frame story, the woman thinks in terms of images that the reader can interpret as metaphors. The bath is very clearly her graveyard, her coffin. Frame also keeps her description relatively tight. She's very careful as to what she describes to the reader. This restriction allows Frame to clearly manipulate the story to her desired outcome. The metaphor of the bath as the grave can sometimes seem almost too obvious, but this is exactly what Frame wanted to achieve. The first paragraph informs us about the woman's frugal and rather sparse life. She is the expert of economy, making things last and stretch. Now, the woman remains unnamed throughout the story. The only thing that marks her out as an individual is the information we receive about her husband, John Edward Haraway, who died on the 6th of August 1965. Why is this interesting? Why is this significant? Well, he's dead, but he still has more individuality than she does. The second sentence introduces the second motif, that of the woman's thinking. Her upcoming visit 
to the graveyard has occupied her thoughts more than usual, which suggests a change in circumstance. Everything is not as it should be. The fact that she has to force herself to make this trip shows that it is more hazardous than it should be, but we are not aware as to why this is yet. That is still to come. The woman complains that she is too tired to complete the journey home and wants to find a place beside the graves in the soft grass and fall asleep. She's very obviously tired in both body and spirit. She goes through the motions of her daily routine, quite an old-fashioned one for 1983, and waits for her dinner to digest, her dinner being incredibly cost-efficient, before taking a bath. Now, only certain situations demand that she takes a bath, visits to the doctor, family, or the graveyard. It is an arduous task, not the relaxing experience that we might perceive it to be. So why does she bathe before a visit to the graveyard? A mark of respect for her dead husband? Alternatively, it could be interpreted that she wants to face death, which the bath represents. She wants to get it over and done with. The verb ventured used here implies the effort that she has to take. She prepares carefully for the bath, towel ready on the chair, night clothes warming in the oven, her reward for taking the bath. Could these represent the comfort of heaven she wants after she dies? The woman has had trouble getting out of the bath before, which is why she's taking precautions. She approaches the bath with fear. The first paragraph of the story might imply that death is a fantasy, but here it's obviously something she is scared of and approaches with trepidation. The simile, like the edge of a cliff, consolidates this image. She thinks about it again, about her reward, but she knows it won't be quick and painless to reach it, so she has to define what the word instant means to her. Again, back to her thinking, she tries to defy the physical issues with care, with thought. The next paragraph focuses on the act of washing. It is interesting to notice that the parts of the body that she concentrates on actually don't require a bath to be cleaned. A sink would suffice. The clear image is here that suffering leads to reward. Bathing, or life, which she enjoys the act of, must end. She tries to prolong her bathing, but this must be paid for by facing the prospect of getting out or dying. The theme of sleep is also explored. She uses this as her comfort after eating, and she also manages to drowse in the bath. Now, death is sometimes compared to sleep. It's a, an acceptable way of talking about it in polite society. But her sleep isn't a deep one. She mimics her preferred form of death. And the fact that she is in water clearly links to Frame's own experiences with the deaths of her two sisters. The woman wishes to fall asleep, then wake to find herself in her nightdress in bed for the night. She wishes for the impossible. We now concentrate on the woman's isolation. She pulls the plug out of the bath and feels herself being drawn down into the earth. She is trapped. Death is coming for her. We hear 
that she had a strange feeling of being under the earth, of a throbbing in her head, like wheels going over in the earth above her. Very, very clear images for us here. She is trapped. Death is coming for her. There's a series of failures as she tries to escape the confines of the bath. Her anxiety is palpable. She knows if she shouts, no one will hear her. The bath is her coffin and we can feel her claustrophobia. She mourns her husband. If he was here, things would be so different. They would be sharing their old age and helping each other. She finally escapes, but knows this is the last time. Her time is running out. One of the techniques that Frame uses to good effect in this story is the technique of listing. We're then given a list of all her physical problems she now faces, and then we're given a second list detailing the obstacles that are in her way of achieving the everyday activities she wants to do. The third list, focusing on nature and the hostile environment of the bath, she, the woman, rearranges into something more positive and allows her to fall to sleep. Now, while she sleeps and her cystus blooms, the tension drops for both her and the reader before the climax of the story. The weather, scarcely to be believed, creates a sense of calm and is almost fantastical. At the graveyard, she almost enjoys the experience, recreating a routine here similar to the one she has at home. The woman thinks, I look after my husband's grave after 17 years, and repeats, I look after my husband's grave. She is happy that shows no sign of decay. But then the difference between her parents' grave and that of her husband's is explored. Now her parents' grave is roomy compared to the narrow grave of her husband. She wonders if the world is getting smaller, echoing her previous feeling of claustrophobia. There's an unfairness in this inequality. What do you think she's feeling at this moment in time? She moves on. She could not think, but she doesn't want to go home. Frame uses yet another list here to magnify the trials she has to go through in order to achieve tasks that we may take for granted. The final item in the list is getting out of the bath, which brings us a full circle as we close on what she is scared of the most. Her evening meal, the remainder of last night's dinner, again highlights her standard of living. We learn that her niece and nephew sometimes help out and visit. She has no children of her own. And the noise and pace of the outside world is overwhelming to her. The memory that brings her peace. The image of her husband's grave. The theme of sleep is again revisited, but unlike the previous night, when the items in the third list rearrange themselves into a more attractive and palatable order, the reverse happens here, as we end with the image of the yellowing bath waiting to claim her forever. Here we have reached the same understanding. She is trapped by her physical reality. This could be interpreted as death in life. Despite Frame's flowery description of the surrounding nature, this story is anti-romantic. It is a horror story. 
frame remains in the background throughout in the third person narrative and acts as if she is the sort of god she denies. But the inevitable will happen. The old woman, like her parents and her husband, will die. Thank you for listening to this podcast and I hope you found it useful. If you have any questions, please contact me through the usual channels and I'll speak to you soon.